Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic Life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations and download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl. Healthy, delicious. Ashland. Hard seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories. All organic. No sugar. Also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. Also supported by Octopus, the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week is a celebrity hairstylist from Venice, California. His Hollywood clientele list is impressive. Listen to this. Chalky. Jonah Hill. Huge. Bruno Mars. Big. Rob Lowe. (laughs) Handsome. James Corden and Hugh Jackman, just to name a few. And Laird. And Laird Hamilton. (laughs) That guy. Mr. Surfer Coverboy. Man, he's a freaking beast. He's not originally from Venice, though, just to let you know. No, he's from Seal Beach. Seal Beach. In the hood. Seal Beach or Long Beach? Come on. Long Beach, Seal Beach border. Yeah. And I jumped the border, (laughs) climbed the wall, and made it in. Yeah. Who do we got? He's been, hey, we're, we still got a long list, bro. This is impressive. He's been featured on KTLA, NBC, CBS, Men's Health, 
And his barber shop is the ideal hanging place on Saturdays to work, drink coffee. It's like a social gathering, you know, get the hair Old done. Cars, looking motorcycles. Cool. Motorcycles. Got coffee. tip two parlor next door. In the most hipster spot it, in LA. It, it is, for sure. But there's more to his story than just making ridiculously good people look better. At the age of 30, he hit rock bottom, you know, homeless, drug addict, spent years in and out of recovery. But it wasn't until he gave an alcoholic homeless person a haircut where his story changed for the better and it gave him purpose and that purpose was helping others. And uh, we're going to find out all about that. But finding sobriety, success and fame, he now uses notoriety to help others in its mission to get people off the street through his 501c3 foundation. Holy smokes, this is a mouthful. Dude, you're wow. Am I doing all right? You're, dude. From celebrities to homeless, we welcome the ever-inspiring, the men's groomer, Jason, the main master, Schneidman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know you have other nicknames. <laughs> Schneidy. Oh. Schneidy. 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 I the just had that in man, there still. The cut the man. The cut man. But when you say main, we can't really figure out what you mean by main. Like a tiger mane, like hair. Yeah. Hair mane. Yeah, hair mane. Yeah. Because he's a stylist. Well, he was a hair stylist, but then you went in and you had to go into... Grooming. Grooming. Yeah, and I was like, what's that? And it's basically hair and makeup Makeup. for camera-ready Hollywood. To get the the contracts and deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Because they wouldn't hire a, a, a makeup artist and a hairstylist to do... You know, movies and press junkets and all that stuff. Yeah. So I had to go back into that cosmetology bag of tools that I was so over. I just want to learn how to cut hair, yeah. and, you know, in beauty school. But they were teaching makeup, and I was like, no, 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 not for me. But then I had to revisit like 30 years later and uh, figured it out. And yeah. now I got the gigs. And yeah. Got any foundation to make this guy over here look a little better? Oh, bro, come on. This you can't guy? fix this, dude. You can't fix this. You now, can't. You, not fix. You can't enhance this, bro. <laughs> hey, hey up, this guy know? looks so Brown good for being frown. like sixty something, dude. <laughs> dude, sixty-five. <laughs> How old are you, really? I'm not gonna say. You're, that. You're, you're the same age as me. <laughs> on air, I will not. Fifty. I'm in the forty-ish to the fifty-ish. You're fifty-ish two. Two power. Fifty-two. I know you are because you are on every left. When I was trying to catch a wave, and I'm, you just, were there. I'm, just, I'm just raising the thumbs up, meaning hey, go, go up. Show's not about me. I know it isn't. Show is about Jason Schneidy Schneider. I know. Hey, thank you, Men's Groomer. Yes, thank you, Men's Groomer, for coming down. All right, Thanks before for me, before we we um, step into today, let's yeah. step back in the past, yeah, and learn about how Schneidy got into surfing. My experience, strength, and hope. So. Started 12, I was on the HB Pier, and I was with the family, and I was looking over the edge, and, you know, day glow, body glove, wetsuits, and I just had the bug instantly, and I was like, I have to do that. Was this Seal Beach Pier, or Honey? This was HB Pier, okay. we were walking with the fam, was, I remember, it was all cloudy, overcast, and people were out, and uh, I was like, I'm going to do that, and I don't know what it was, but it was a burning desire, and... And then I got a board and a suit yeah. not long after that for a birthday, and that was it. I was in the water from 12 to And you distinctly remember, though, a body glove wetsuit. Yeah, Because it was that. like... I was in the 80s. And yeah. 80, 82. And eight out of probably the 10 suits were body glove. No, Neil, those were pretty much... The, pretty no, much but that came on the scene when body glove came on. It was... Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The bright yellow and the pink yeah. and Danglo, and yeah. that was the 80s, and, and that was new, yeah. and I remembered. And uh, Body Glove comes up a lot, you know, when we talk to our, our guests at yeah. either Surfform and NSSAs, or road forum during the back in the day, but yeah, that the suits you you knew what you were seeing from fucking yeah the big handprint hundred yards away you know what kind of suit it is. It's crazy, <clears throat> Jonah, who I do his hair and I've become real friendly with Jonah Hill over the years, and he's got the bug now surfing. <laughs> he actually moved to Malibu, he's front row, and he just surf and then producing and directing and all that stuff. But he just got a tattoo. We got to track that down. It's a body glove wetsuit. I heard about tattoo, that, <laughs> but I think it's got something says something meaningful to him or whatever. I think it's cool. his body love. Is that what it's it is? Body glove. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. good. Hey, you know, it's great. He's a spokesperson for you know people helping people, and that's what it's all about. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so started surfing twelve. Was in the water every day. Went to La Salle High School. Uh, I lived on the border of Long Beach, and my grandma lived in Seal Beach, so we gave that address, which got me hanging out with all the Seal Beach crew. And I remember Chad Wells, Jason Shook, Charlie Wickwire. So were uh, you cut off from stamps? Yeah. Sorry for jumping in. Yeah, no, did no. You, did you get cut? Because um, Wellesley told us yeah. he was going to Huntington, yeah. and then they cut the dividing line, and then so that everyone had. I didn't going. fall into that. That was a <clears throat> Seal Beach thing where they were split between Marina and Huntington, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I made a decision to not go to Millican and go to La Salle because I lived right over the the bridge there. Yeah, so I could actually walk to La Salle and. Being in the water since 12 in Seal Beach That's when you came to go to high school. Yeah, I, I developed friendships at the beach. <clears throat> yeah, you know? which I think is super important when you're hitting that adolescent age to be like, you have a good friends. peer group and yeah. friends and stuff. Because I mean, as much trouble as I got in, I don't think if I didn't have surfing and the people that I you know hung around, I would be alive. Right to here. be honest. Surfing saved yes. my life for yeah. sure. I mean, 10 times over. Same here. Yeah. yeah. So, so before you got into surfing, you were 12 years old when you got surfing, but did you like boogie board or skateboard? My dad took me down to Laguna Main Street. So my dad was a New Yorker, and he moved out here to get away from the cold. And he used to just post up Main Street Laguna with Speedos. the fold-out, yep, Speedo, <laughs> the chair, and the fold-out tinfoil dealio. And he would sit Surprise. there. Yeah. Dude, hey. he looked like George Hamilton, bro. Like, so tan. He's the Dude, tannest man Papa, alive. Papa Lard put mirrors out. Lounge yeah. chairs. He'd yeah. put, like, full head-to-toe mirrors. Like, yeah. How did they not die of cancer? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Going, like, what bro. The, Knock on wood. Some of these guys, like... 
female yeah. they're, they're just like leather skin but like shiny leather yeah. like you know what i mean like yeah. supple looking leather not like rawhide leather you yeah. know like the ozone was way better back then <clears throat> yeah Must he, have been. <laughs> he can handle it he can handle like he's got that good skin but uh he uh he used to post up and i was there body surfing with all the dudes in uh in laguna and they they took me under their wing and they're like this is how you get barreled i was like okay cool and then i was there every day i'd spend the water all day when i was eight nine ten i'd be like let's go back to laguna so that was my introduction to the ocean reading waves and that whole deal but uh when i uh you know started surfing and i was in los lamitos i would jump on the bus and um take the bus it was a five minute bus ride down to seal beach and and i had my couple homies that we'd roll down and and then we'd post up and seal and um it was just it was just running amok i actually took my kids surfing day before yesterday at crabs uh the jetty right there yeah because that's where I, I learned and i remember same here yeah we used to ride our mini bikes down the flood control park them at the jetty take the spark plugs out i would sit on my surfboard and that's how we get down to the beach and uh that smell of, of crabs, the jetty right there, yeah. I, I remembered it two days ago. And the same feeling of the water and my kid, eight-year-old kid's experiencing it right now. And I had the same experience. It was pretty euphoric. I yeah. was so stoked on that. That was two days ago. Yeah, so, that's so yeah. awesome. Full circle. Yeah. New generation. Seal Beach is, I mean, so many people have started in, in that yeah. that zone and warm water jetties, whatever you want, yeah. crabs. Ray Bay. It's such yeah. a perfect spot to learn how to surf. And then I was watching the open the other day, right before we went to, to the jetty there. And they're like, and, and they're riding a Tim Stamp sport. And I was like, that's my dude. That's my dude. It's like Seal Beach pops up. And yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of cool people that have come into the surfing industry, like uh, Robert Colby, Jason Cameron, Chad yeah. Wells, yeah. Uh, Stamps, you know, Rich Harbor, obviously, rest in peace. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I had a great upbringing in SEAL. Um, it's just incredible. And uh, I remember being <clears throat> Northside, and there's a peak, and it was like really crowded and localized heavily. Yeah. And I remember I had to stay over to the side, and then I started becoming more friendly with, with everybody, and they, they'd let me catch one every so often. And I remember it took me six years to, to actually hit the lip and to do a roundhouse and not fall. And I, was, I wanted it so bad, and I remember and the day. You're goofy, right? Goofy, yeah. 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 yeah, I'm goofy, bro. Every time I surf Anderson, <laughs> dude, so me and Lyndon, um, literally, how many years ago was that? It was like 30 years ago, yeah. right? So Plus. Yeah, so it, I was 17, and now I'm 51, so you do the math, but when it, whatever. Lefts coming in at Anderson, and they're pumping. And every time I went to get a wave, I remember seeing He's this He's on the dude. inside of you? There's, no, it was like, the, like he was he catching was there lefts. And I was like, and I was like, okay, got to let him have it because he can serve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anybody else, I remember, I was like, I got this guy. Yeah. You know, but but it was me and you exchanging, and I, I think you were riding a Saku, and you had a green and black wetsuit. That's what I remember. And your dark skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. <laughs> yep, I remember so, it. Yeah, So going yeah. back, and, and you were you were uh, an outsider, kind mm -hmm. of, right? Mm -hmm. Seal Beach, mm -hmm. Chad Wells, Charlie Wickwire, Tim Stamps, Jason Cameron, Shook. Dennis Cameron, Shooky, yeah, <clears throat> and, Gonzalez. And, you know, we've said this before. I've said this before. Those guys were little punks yeah back in the day yeah it was tough and they were just like you hear all these little voices like hey get the beat it yeah. cook. you know oh, yeah. it's like holy shit yeah. like yeah. the 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 abuse you would have to endure 
to finally and you know you have to be a good surfer yeah to finally crack the code yeah. and get accepted so yeah. you paid your dues the, and you the finally pe- the pecking order was legit and you had to <laughs> you had to climb the ladder like ever so slowly yeah i mean dude it's crazy <clears throat> just thinking about it because i'm the chameleon and i don't care who i'm with i kind of get get in yeah. you know and i'm very lucky like that and and um you know i used to hang out in long beach with snoop dogg you know, he's in my junior high school, and they accepted me. And then I was hanging at the bike racks at LaSalle with all the Hessians, and I was selling joints, and they accepted me. And then I was hanging with the jocks. And I just, you know, I got accepted a lot throughout. I think it was because I made people laugh. That was yeah. it, you know? Yeah, I think if you're if you're, you're you're true to yourself, like, you know, hey, I'm not here to, like, win them over. You're just interested in their, like, group. Because you're talking about Hessians are way different than the jocks. You know, those yeah. subcultures are, you yeah. know way you know way different and that's kind of like how how it was and it's i think it still is today at schools and you know maybe not so much because of you know like downtown where we had the hessian crew it's kind of changed over the years and stuff Mm -hmm. but you know as you're trying to you know as you're a kid trying to get accepted or trying to see where you fit in i mean the surfers were the outcasts for sure yeah well we were in long beach schools there was buses coming in it was tough like we had the Cholos, we had all the dudes from like Jordan Pauly area. Yeah. That's, didn't you go to school I went over to there? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like seven, uh, uh, one of seven surfers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and all my, you know, I, I got along with everybody too. Yeah. And it was like so funny when you tell one of the, you know, Bloods or Crips, you yeah. know, I don't even know what they were. Yeah. And you told them, yeah, you surf. And they're like, what? You go out there and play with sharks? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You must be crazy, man. Yeah. So, anyway, so my story took me through, you know, in and out of surfing through my life. But from 12 to 20, I was in the water. And then I barely graduated high school because I was ditching. And my parents were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll pick a, you know, they said pick a profession and we'll pay for it. And I always cut my friend's hair at like 13 and 14 years old. I was cutting everybody's hair. And how did you get into that? I just had a pair of clippers. And, well, my parents took me around. They were kind of worldly. And they would bring me to New York. And then they'd bring me up to Venice. And I would see these different styles changing. And I'd come back to my little sleepy town in Seal. And I'd be like, you guys, we need to, like, change it up. You know, we need to get laid. We need to, like, stand out. We're going to Knott's Berry Farm (laughs) for, like, Studio K and going to clubs. And, you know, 13, 14, 15, it was like, dude, whatever it takes, right? And uh, so I was giving everybody the same haircut. It was like a Macaulay Culkin wedge in the back. And everybody was stoked and it was working. Kind of like the Tony Hawk with the flare, with the wave or whatever? It was like the Thomas Dolby. It was just like the Dolb. There was like two apart in the middle and the long and then the wedge in the back and uh, full step. And um, <laughs> are you talking it was all blonde. Yeah, it was blonde and then it was dark underneath. Were, were you looking yeah. at like fashion mags or men's mags at all? And you stuff? just go like, traveling. No, I was just just, just going eyeballing for, people just, like around. Yeah, yeah. Totally into fashion, always into like decorating early, into like like me expressing myself through my clothing. Like I was literally wearing my sister's pants in junior high school, these red skinny jeans. And I had these uh, slip on breakdancing slippers. You remember those black slippers, yeah, the yeah. slaps or whatever? The Bruce Lee style. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Lee. I had those, which I got in Venice and I came back to my 
my town. I was like, you guys, we need to wear this. This is what people are wearing. They're like, no way, bro. And everybody was calling me slippers, you know? And I didn't even care because I was hanging out with Could you bust a move? Could you dance? Yeah, I was, dude, I was in a break dancing club. We yeah, used to break dance were. at, at Skateway. Yeah. Skateway, me and Ducky and uh, a couple other guys, we had our little uh, outfits that we made and we would bring our cardboard. Yeah. And we were done, done. So you you fully immerse yourself in, in certain shit. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what I was doing. People were following the styles, and I was laying them out. And I did not see myself being a hairstylist. And right out of high school, I went. I went to the career but before academy. before yeah. we go into that. Yeah. Uh, you, you were mentioning Anderson Street, right? Yeah. And. For me, like that was like a magical mm. fucking time period, mm. you know. That was your home. That was your everyday go go to. Yeah, because like you know, Seal Beach was like the the kind of like the 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 stepping stone to the next spot. Yes, right? one hundred percent. For us, like from Long Beach surfers, yeah, Seal Beach surfers, the next spot is Surfside and, and Anderson Street. Still, and one of in my the favorite. summertime, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, it was. It was. There's nothing like it. Um, still one of my favorite surf spots. It's like being on stage. Like it's like 15 feet out. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 10 foot face. No long paddle out. No. And it's just nonstop. Yeah. Lefts and rights. Yeah. The waves are so much better when we were younger. It feels I, like. I guess. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I get was that Lingo years and it was so glassy good. all fucking day. But this the like, best part about it was, and I remember Lyndon, so every high school had their clique that was hanging yeah. on the beach. Yeah. And the girls in that circle that you would want to meet from Lakewood or from Wilson yeah. Or, yeah. or Seal Beach and Huntington, like everybody had their own little yeah. cliques and we were sitting there and we were rolling joints on magazines and we were like, oh, there goes, you know, Kissel. And he's like busting an air, no leash. And then out comes Jack Grisham with a Speedo on and a knife <laughs> yeah. strapped to his leg. And it was just like, it was like something out of a movie. It yeah. was like, the, yeah, a mix of all the fucking, you know, inland high school people yeah, yeah. congregating at, at, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, at Anderson Street. Yeah. And... I remember every day, you know, I, we would get there early and fucking wouldn't leave until no. almost dark. No. And you then, run up and go eat? Yeah. Go to Woody's. Uncle Dougie's. Yeah. It used to be, it's Woody's now, yeah. but it used to be Uncle Dougie's and it was super spuds, cheap and super good. Super spuds. Yeah. And then, and then, um, but every day would be like, okay, what, where's the party, you know? Yeah. Where, what's going on the night? Where's the after party? Yeah. Where's everybody going? And you'd have like everybody walking around just like and you would go to everybody's parties yeah. until they they got broken up but what's cool is what you guys are talking about which was your little intimate like beach zone yeah was happening everywhere yeah you know so everybody listening ha could could contest of like hey that i had a little zone like oh, that yeah. where that was the meeting spot Wonderful. you saw the like, yeah. cooler older dudes you saw yeah you know like and that's the so salt local so i used to go down to salt creek and, yeah and i know it was happening the same way because yeah. all those guys were throwing rocks at us <laughs> up the trail yeah. and we were like okay so everybody was doing the same thing but yeah dude, sorry how about saying? like okay you said kissel yeah you had um reader yeah brent philippi philippi so uh, my richie vega yeah like my sister so many... dated philippi 
That's incredible. And I always looked up to my sister, and I always looked up to Philippi because yeah. he was like the epitome of good looking. Talk about something. George Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> you know, still looks great. He's so dreamy looking. Yeah. So anyway, so that was when I first got validation because Philippi told my sister that I was ripping. <laughs> she came home, and I was like, I made it. He wanted to get laid. That's why, <laughs> bro. Whatever, whatever, dude. It worked. <laughs> He's like, You're little, I'll take him surfing. Yeah, he's yeah. thinking getting really good. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, right? Yeah, whatever, bro. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I was ripping. <laughs> that wasn't taken that way from you, of course. You, you, you know, you earned your your keep in your pecking mm. order, and, and I mean, when you put that much time in the water and you're invested and you're just psyched, you're gonna, you know, yeah, you're gonna rise to the crop. Something about Anderson. I was fearless at Anderson. I was, I was fearless. Bro. It was such a great wave and. It was like the meeting spot for all the high school people yeah. from all the different high and we schools. We didn't have social media, so you had to have those areas where it would attract a network to the other schools. And, yeah. and God, Bobby Baker's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Baker. Cut. No, I didn't cut that out. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty Bobby fine. Baker. There you go. She, she was, was pretty fine. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie Pugh. Stevie Pugh. Oh, yeah. Little Pugh. Yeah. Fucking regular foot Tom Carroll. Dude, yeah. he really. Dude, he looked like Tom Carroll and yeah. he surfed like Tom yeah. Carroll, except he was uh, a yeah. regular foot. Yeah. yeah that was On his poi dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. So guy. that was that was good times and um and then uh so I what actually, happened in school? You were so, a good student? So I, I was a terrible student, <laughs> went to hair school. It took me five years to graduate a year program because I was ditching that, you know. <laughs> got had a lot of instructors, got really good at doing hair, moved to San Diego and I ended up uh well this is a long story, but I went to Palm Springs for spring break, met the dudes that run clubs, SRH, Zinger, uh you know, all these guys that did nightclubs down there, we were doing clubs and I promoted something in Palm Springs over spring break. And they said, once you move down, we'll take care of you. They set me up right in Mission Beach in a pass. Is, is this right out of high school then? So yeah, so we're, right okay. out of high school is spring break. And, uh, and what kind of clubs were these guys running? Like, these, so what we do like is... Warehouse we would, or like yeah, a, or a bar? Yeah, warehouse. No, it was like prior to like right when rave started. Yeah. So we were doing raves, but we were doing uh, different places that were dead like yeah. monday night like salmon house for example was dead so we'd go in and we'd get the um we would talk to the owners we'd say hey we're gonna pack this place yeah. you guys can take the bar we'll take the door we charge 20 bucks at the door and we bring in sublime and we bring in artwork and black light and um we would do a club every night during the week and i had a pager and i had a club list and I had a pocket full of drugs for sale, and chicks so were calling on. me, and I had a bar tab, and I did that for 10 years until the wheels fell off, and I got hooked on crack. Yeah. So, backtrack a sec. Um, didn't you have a crazy story about being in the bus and going to Long Beach, driving your, your a bus with your friends? Oh, so yeah. So, this was 16 years old, and it was... Uh, Tommy Ritchie, Eddie Hughes, LaSalle guys, and they all had an older brother. So uh, we were in uh, Eddie Hughes' Volkswagen bus, and we drove downtown Long Beach one night. It was a Friday night, and we're all piled in the bus drinking, 16, woo, you know, and we pull into this alley, and it's a, a one-way alley, and you just hear a, you know, over the fence, and the hand comes out, and they bought crack. And we did a, a 90 point turn with the VW bus to get out of there. And um, 
it was just we were smoking crack at 16 and, I, and that's the first time I tried it and, and that's we what went, they went there for or they didn't know what they're yeah getting? they went down there so I guess Tommy Ritchie had already like been down there before but then uh, we went and got more and we pulled into this complex because there was nothing happening at the alley and Eddie ran into the complex and then he came running out without his shoes on and he's like bro bro start the fucking take off and then out the window of the apartment complex we got shot at oh, at 16 God. yeah it hit the hubcap and we just we were out of there but uh that's kind of like my first introductory to Hard cocaine and i loved it i you loved cocaine 16? at 16 yeah and we were um we were pretty bad kids. We would go to house parties and we would uh, sneak into the parents' room of the, the house that we were doing and we would steal stuff and we would pawn it to uh, this dude in in, uh, in Hawaiian Gardens and we would get uh, whatever. We'd, we'd get like a 16th of blow. And I was doing cocaine through high school, 16, 17 years old. Under the radar of the parents, like you're somewhat yeah. responsible. Like- oh, dude, I remember being on a glass table and my parents were out of town and they came home early and we were doing lines on the glass table and I was like, clean it up, they're here. And they were literally pulled in the driveway. Oh. And uh, we were like, we got everything but together and we're like, we're out of here and walked out. Parents, <laughs> clueless. What have you guys been doing? Nothing, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to just head out for a little while. So, yeah. That's you know, so nuts. It, it's crazy because when me looking back at my childhood growing yeah. up in Long Beach, we kind of went through the same thing too. Mm-hmm. But I never got to that point of smoking crack. Yeah. You know? And it's crazy when you think about that. It's like, wow. You know, how idiotic are you at 16? Fearless. Just fearless. And, and friends too. Your friends are like, you know, you don't know any better. No. Unfortunately. And, and here's a thing that's like, that changed the rest of your life. Yeah. And for the worse, you know, like... Well, I mean, I don't have any regrets. I don't regret the past at all. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's, it's but you know what I mean? Like, I it, it, it turned you to a dark time. Yeah, it took me down. It, the wheels <clears throat> fell off. And, uh, you know, I was down in San Diego and my buddies from Seal Beach were coming down there. They were really scared about me. And I was locked in a room and they'd come down to buy weed because I would get it from the border. You know, it was like... 20 minutes to the border, Mexican mafia. And I actually flew a bunch of pounds to Boston and got robbed with 20 pounds before 9-11. I flew out there and that's how I was making my money. I didn't work for 10 years when I lived down there. I was in, in San Diego for 10 years. I was doing the nightclubs. I was nightclub scene was so, just for like networking pretty much. It like, was just keeping me loaded. Yeah. So let's like, you you're know, front. Uh, yeah. Let's get the timeline uh, kind of fixed. So 1990 you, to 2000. So you, you're in, yeah. you graduated high school. Yep. You said you you threw a party in Palm Springs, yep. and that you met some dudes. Yep, all there. the people that were doing clubs in San Diego came to do a big rave in Palm Springs, a big collab. Met them all, packed the place. They all were like, "You're awesome." Yeah, the way I was talking to people, I always had the gift of gab. So they were like, "Come move down." They set me up on Santa Clara, right there, beachfront apartment. Met the Mexican mafia, literally met Mexican mafia and had pounds of weed in my group, in my closet, always for sale. And then I started meeting guys from back east that would come because pounds of weed were like 1500 bucks and I was getting them for 500 So I'd be making cash, never did laundry, just went to Emerald Surf Shop and bought new clothes every night. <laughs> Emerald City. Emerald City, bought new, new shoes, new, never did laundry, just rolled out brand new gear. 
and uh, couldn't pay You're my rent. Favorite customer, I had. had everything. Had like five hundred dollars worth of drugs and alcohol a night. So wait, but I, never could pay my rent. These guys introduced you to the Mexican cartel. So I, like I said, I'm a chameleon, and I just I get in. I can meet people, and I met where you get the source of yeah. weed. I need more. I need more than that. Who's your boss? I, I yeah. need to talk to that guy. Yeah, let me talk to that guy, and then <laughs> I need some cocaine too. Before, you know, before and I need some ecstasy. <laughs> so, yeah. so when when you when they said, "Hey, Schneidy, we're gonna cook. We're gonna. We want you to move to San Diego, and yeah. we're gonna put you." They were they. Found a place for you, yep. or you? Yeah, they found a place for me. They rented it. They handed me a stack of flyers. I was going up and down the boardwalk on my skateboard and my bike. Just, what's up, girls? Come check us out. Literally littering people with flyers. Like yeah. you can't get away with that this day. But promo was like, hey, and throwing like a hundred flyers into a pack of chicks on the beach, and they'd just be covered with flyers. And they pick them up. And they're like, what's this? And people were showing up to the club. And I was I was that guy. That, that was, was just, your job. That was my job. Yeah. And were you? Did they pay you for that? Yeah. So I, I I think I made a little bit of cash, but I usually made money through a bar tab at the place, and I uh, I would make my money through the pa- the pocket full of ecstasy that I had in my right pocket and the pocket full of twenties of blow in the left pocket. And my nickname was Whistler. And anybody would be like, dude, if you need coke or you need X, listen for Whistler. <laughs> through the club whistling it's it's like the, 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 the guy at squid row at the whistle like yeah. there's a tequila guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so were you you're doing the flyer thing in the day then are you working the ropes or like you're in front of the club at night so my this was my lifestyle for 10 years wake up 12 in the afternoon <laughs> ride my bike a block down to the beach, plop down, zinger, everybody hanging on the beach, kind of like Anderson. We had our spot. Um, I'd be like, oh, I'm hurting. Looking at the waves, get enough you know, amb- ambition or whatever, energy to get out, paddle out, get some salt water on me, catch a few good ones. I was like stoked. Still yeah. got it. Yeah. Plop back down, hang, grab some food, start drinking, go to the green flash bar, happy hour, two tacos, Drinking, call the dope man, load up for the night, go home six o'clock, start getting my club list ready, be out to the club till two in the morning, after our parties, chicks, the whole thing, till six in the morning, go to sleep, wake up at noon for ten years straight, smoking an eighth of weed a day, and that was it. And and uh, the Seal Beach dudes like Mike Morrow and and Donnie Strat come down to buy peas you know, weed from me and I'd be locked in this, in this room. Cause I started smoking crack the last three years of my stay down there from 27 to 30. I was just locked up in my room smoking about $500 worth of crack. Cause I would leave. I just wasn't surfing. I wasn't doing clubs or just nothing. consumed, just consumed. They'd come down and they'd be like, they'd see me and they were scared. I was 137 pounds and they'd be like, dude, you got to come hook this up. And I was like, oh, get me a 40. And they would get a 40. And we'd go out to win and see and sit there. And they were coming for me, you know, full paranoia, schizophrenia. I'd be out on the rocks, you know, bright sunglasses, drinking a 40. And then all of a sudden I'd pull out because I never did pills to bring me down. I would drink. And mm. so that would kind of bring me back down. And then I'd be like, oh, dude, what was going on? I'm good. Like, let's handle this. You know, and I, once I get drunk, then I would handle it get those send those guys on their way but i remember 
I got a bunch of buddies that were like, dude, when I left you, I didn't think I'd see you again. Wow. And that's how bad it got. And then... Uh, How'd you last 10 fucking years doing that? Dude, it was just... Uh, it's just, you know, the last couple of years really brought me to my knees. You know, the crack cocaine is what does it. You know, you can maintain going out and smoking weed, drinking every night and doing cocaine. But when you smoke it, it's just it sticks you on stupid. I say yeah. you get stuck on stupid. I just was like staring out, waiting for somebody to and, kill me or the cops arrest. And how how was your relationship with your parents and family? They're still up here. You would come, you know. So yeah, my parents lived up here, and anytime I'd have to come in to town, I would like go to the tanning bed and I would eat for like twenty four hours, and I would try and get my wits, and I'd pull in, and I'd just be like, "Yeah, I'm cutting hair, all good," and you know, and then I would just dip back down to San Diego. So they didn't see my, you know depletion of of anything until i was 30 cops were coming for me i had a stripper girlfriend smoke crack in front of her son you know turning my back and uh i was like i need to get out of here and i loaded up my car and the cops had come because we had like a domestic and she was uh she said that I hit her, but I didn't. And the cops were like, we're pressing charges. And I was handcuffed in the back of this cop car and I was praying. And the cops came back and they're like, today's your lucky day. You need to leave. Do you have a car? And I was like, no. But my car was filled with uh, pounds of weed and, you know, a couple ounces of chronic and my snowboard and my surfboard and everything. And I was like, nope, no car. And they're like, well, walk and don't come back. And I was like, cool. And I walked down the alley. I looked back. Cops split. I came back, jumped in my car, boogied up to uh, Long Beach. Stayed at my parents and detoxed on their couch for about a week, eating Lucky Charms, watching Tom and Jerry. You know, I was like, oh, finally, amazing. I don't have to worry about anything, you know? And then I was like, I Now, were your parents privy then? Or? They were not. They were just like, oh, great. You're just, you know, because I was never around. So they were just happy to see me. And I was like, this transition time. I think I'm going to move up to L.A. and I'm going to become, you know, legitimate hairstylist. I was like, it's time for a change. I was 30. Came back to my parents' house. And I stayed there for a week, and I was like, I need to get out of here. I met some girl at Java Lanes in the Circle in Long Beach, and she was like, I live in Beverly Hills. You can move in with me. Moved in that night. It turned out it wasn't Beverly Hills. It was West Hollywood. It was right in the smack dab in the middle of Boys Town. I was so tripping. I was like, straight man in concrete jungle in Hollywood, you know, and I was like... Boys Town meaning predominantly... Gay. Yeah. Full gay, and I was like... You know, Seal Beach surfer, San Diego partier, front of the line, had everything too, just stuck in Boys Town, yeah. concrete jungle. So I was like, I walked out on the strip and I got a job and it was easy. They're like, this guy cuts hair, he's cute. Wow, give me the job, you know. So I was cutting hair, doing all men's haircuts. They were flooding in and out. Started getting really good at men's haircuts. Um, and then my grandma died, left me 20 grand. I hit my parents up like the next day. Can I get some of that money that grandma left me? They gave me five grand. Uh, I told her I needed to get out of this chick's house. I uh, I basically blew through it in like two days, smoking crack in Hollywood. And then I hit him up again. I was like, can I get another five grand? You know, I need to move out. I need some furniture. They gave me another five grand. In six weeks, I smoked the 20 grand worth of uh, grandma's money. And, what? Yeah. And my parents were like, wow. They're like, something's wrong. And so they did an intervention. I met for dinner and my sister was there who I was looked up to. And she was like, we're really worried about you. My mom's crying. I'm like, I'm good. You're tripping. I couldn't wait to get out of there and get, get, get high, you know? And, uh, 
so they said, uh, you know, my sister took me aside and she was like, just let me know, let me know if you need help. And then a couple of days I was printing up, I was in Echo Park with some like gangbangers printing up hundred dollar bills, fake hundos. And you were going to, I went to the spot where I was buying crack, where I bought the 20,000. So they'd see my truck pull up and they were like, there's the guy. Yeah. You know? So I came up and I, uh, like, I have no money. You're going to start counterfeiting though. So no, I, I used the hundreds at this spot to buy crack, hundred dollars worth of crack. So I pulled up on the spot, slipped him a fake hundo. Mexicans were like all good. And then I drove off and I had a bunch of hits. Wait and then, minute, wait a minute. Yeah. You printed up? Yeah. These hundred dollar yeah. fake hundred dollar? Oh yeah, who, full who, counterfeiting. Who, how, wait. On a computer. They look pretty good. I mean, it was, it was it. We crumpled it up, stepped on it, spit on it, you know, and like, Made it look real, and then I went, and these guys accepted it, and then hold on, went, yeah. What kind of paper did you use? <laughs> I don't even know. These guys were good. This was like Mexican dudes in Echo Park. They were just, they were hustling, and, and they were counterfeiters. Yeah, they were. No, they were. We were just smoking meth at the time, <laughs> just hanging out, smoking but, meth. But you, you were a counterfeit buddy, but he to didn't. sell to to give to these guys to buy cocaine. Yeah, yeah he had no money. He yeah. burned through the twenty k. <laughs> yeah. I know, but. He he said he gave a fake hundred dollar bill we, to Mexican mafia. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is like East Side Longos or something in L.A. Yeah, so I gave him that. But the crazy thing was, I went home and I smoked it, and I was like, maybe they don't know it's a fake hundo. Let's go back and give him another one. So I went back, shot at again. Twenty years later, <laughs> got shot at, and that's when I called my sister that night and I was like I'm ready to go and she was like we're coming right now and I was like no 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 come in the morning I'm still getting high so then they came my mom and my sister came to I was living on top of the the Viper room in Hollywood I was living on top of the Viper room they came walked up the steps or they were at the bottom of the steps and I was at the top I had shaved the sides of my head full taxi driver that night because I knew I was going in you know I had blue velvet pants on I was wearing a wife beater it was 137 pounds and my mom and my sister looked up the steps. I was at the top of the steps, and they were they just started laughing. <laughs> They're like, "You ready to go to rehab, Tommy Lee?" And I was like, "Let's go." <laughs> and what's, that's when I went to rehab, and I was thirty. And so I, I, I put together like sixty six days, and then I went back to my apartment. I got loaded again above the Viper room because I had some friends that I was living with, and then I uh, so you made it sixty six days. Sixty six days. Okay. Yeah. Like, what's, I mean, what's the check? Like, okay, so you're, you know, you're rock bottom pretty much. Your mom and sister come and check you. Yeah. Where, where at? So I went to PRC, Pasadena Recovery Center, and that's where they did that celebrity rehab. So, and it was right when it opened. So they took me there, and it was a 30 day program. I was doing push ups, and I got really healthy real quick, and they were teaching me how to stay sober. And I'm like, I got this. You know, I totally got it. And they're like, you need more. Like everybody does in rehab. And they're like, no, I'm good after 30 days. I got this, right? And then I left, went back to my apartment, and I stay, I made it another 36 days just, you know, on my own with yeah. people that were partying around me. And uh, then I got loaded again. And then that was the in and out of um, recovery. It took me four years going in and out. But what was cool was I met celebrity hairstylist Chris McMillan who did Jennifer Aniston's hair okay he was in these meetings of recovery in LA 
and there was a lot of people there. There's a lot of cool people in LA okay. like in these meetings. Can we stop yeah. real quick? So the first time you went to rehab, yeah. your mom and your mom and sister took you. Yeah. And you made it for sixty six days, no drugs. Yeah. You you and you, I mean sixty six days is a long fucking time. Yeah, it's pretty after much after ten miracle. years of hitting it hard. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like after ten huge... years of hitting it hard, you lasted sixty six days of sobriety. Yes, right, and you got healthy, you gained yes. weight. Yes, you felt amazing. you felt good. Felt amazing. Were you still working like salon or so? At that time, I was working at that same spot in Boys Town, mm. and I had started working at a spot across from the rainbow room next to shamrock tattoo with a couple guys that opened brooklyn projects oh dom yeah dom yeah, yeah. and dom and murph murph who passed away who was venice heavy local venice mm. and dom and murph owned this salon well they owned the brooklyn projects together but murph owned this salon no so I, that's how i started meeting some some actually some cool people and not just not my people you so know? you you were going on and off campus i mean um the rehab center yeah like they'd trust you to leave no so 30 days lockdown rehab got out 36 days on my own back in society trying to keep it together okay yeah so so 30 days lockdown 36 days on your own Mm -hmm. you you pulled it off for 36 days yeah i was good to go until i wasn't you know and that's what this disease of alcoholism is about cunning baffling and powerful and all of a sudden, you just get a fuck it switch. And you're just like, fuck it. I was having way more fun in the front of club line, you know, banging chicks, selling drugs. Like, what happened in my life, you know? And it's all false because yeah. your head tells you and just rips you back. And the disease is just doing push-ups trying to get you back down, you know? And, and you got to pay your dues. Like, you have to lay down a foundation in recovery. And I learned that later on when I was 34. And I actually lived in a place for 13 months. And I lived there, and they were watching everything I did. Yeah. And that's how I got my foundation. Okay, so... Yeah. 66 days sober, partying with your friends above Viper Room. Yep. Fell back down. Yep. Fall from grace. Yep. Miserable. Just broken again. Um, now that I had a, a, a head full of sobriety and a belly full of booze, it was just the worst. Because you, you get a taste of the good life once you get sober. And a lot of like, regret, a lot of like... Yeah, like, there's so much shame and guilt when yeah. you got loaded. And I knew I had to get back to sobriety, you know. And so um, that's when uh, when I would go to meetings and I'd sit there and it was really tough getting back. That's the hardest part because I'd sit through meetings and there'd be everybody in Hollywood at these meetings and i sit just sitting on my hands you know and i would leave and go smoke crack and i would walk down the street with like a quarter in my pocket and i would just panhandle and i would steal tips off of the tables in barney's beanery i would go to uh, bristol farms and i would still steal uh, these bottles of tequila and uh, jack daniels and i'd walk over to the troubadour and i'd sell them for like 20 bucks to underage people online at the troubadour whatever my hustle was i was doing it and I was Dang. surviving. And I yeah. would come home with five hits of crack every night, you know. And um, and I was just, like, broken. But I had met this guy, Chris McMillan, when I was at a meeting because the guy that was helping me, my sponsor at the time, was like, there's Carrie White. She does, you know, uh, Justin, uh, what's his name? Uh, 
from uh, Tim Blake. Uh, no, the dude. Uh, I forget, but he did. Uh, what was that? Shampoo. That the movie Shampoo. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. He was doing Warren Beatty's hair. She did a bunch of other people. Patino, I think, De Niro. And then there was Chris McMillan, who did Jennifer Aniston's hair and a bunch of other people. And I went up to both of them. And Chris was like, uh, how long have you been sober? And I was like, I got a week. And he's like, get some time. Come talk to me. And so then I came back at six months sober. And he, he let me assist him one day a week. And I was assisting him. And, uh, and then he left to go do a movie. And I fell out of that salon. And I was getting loaded up at the, with all the guys, Dom, all those other guys up at... Uh, Brooklyn Project nine, 9022 yeah because they were partying they were going to clubs and I was like sober and they were like yeah Whistler you don't know and I'm like bro you don't know <laughs> and then I was like watch and it was like four in the morning driving Murph's truck through Venice in a in a fat farm jumpsuit because he'd give me like, this, his old hand-me-down I was wearing a green fat farm jumpsuit and I went and I got an eight ball at like two in the morning he's like you're gonna go to sleep I'm like yeah and I'm sitting in his kitchen cooking up crack in Venice and I'm like, fuck it, I'm out of here. And I walked through Venice and, uh, and I was like, Venice was pretty gnarly back then. Too. Oh, it's still gnarly ever. Yeah. So I was walking through Venice and, and that's how I do it. And, and so it, it brings me down quick, but, uh, I met Chris and then I, I relapsed and then I was calling Chris cause he was done with the movie and Chris was like, sorry, I got nothing for you. And then one day he, he called me and he was like, if you can be here Monday, at 7.30 in the morning, um, my assistant got sick. I need you to, to show up. And I was like, dude, this is my chance to get back into sobriety. So I showed up to Chris's. Well, how many days did he give you the next day? Like, or, or... So it was Friday and he needed me Monday. Oh, okay. Right? So you had a few days. I had a okay. few days. And, and you were partying. And I was partying. And I had every intention on stopping Sunday. Right? But Sunday... in the morning, Monday morning, I was at my buddy smoking meth. And I had to be at work at 7.30. And I was like, dude, give me a ride home. He's like, no way, cops. And I was like, fuck it. I kicked the door open. I left. I walked out. I hitchhiked. A bus came. Got into the bus. Got home to my house. I was home 6.45. I made it home. Like nothing. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get ready for work. Jaws going tongues all cut up me completely paranoid and i was like hold on maybe i got something here to like take the edge off and i reached under my bed and there was a coke can that i'd been smoking crack out of for two weeks and i found it was hidden and i ripped it open i cut the can- coke can open and i scraped the inside of the coke can i had a pile of this resin i'm like is it coke is it cocaine is it you know what is this and I sat down, I got my little pipe, and I set up my ritual, and I took a hit, and I blew up the biggest hit. And it was like this cocaine, cocaine combo. Just resonant. That just, yeah, that just sent me, and I was like, oh my God, full paranoia. People were coming for me, shadows, and I was like, I got this pile, and I got to be at work at 7.30. I'm like, let's just run it, and I just ran that pile, and then at 7... 10 I jumped in the shower and I was like don't die don't die my heart was jumping out of my chest I turned the water on I was like that's too cold that's too hot and I was looking at the smoky glass in the shower door and people were coming for me and I called the cab and I thought they were honking out front while I'm in the shower so I get out of the shower and I get I got two cigarettes left my jaw's going I'm in the back of this cab he pulls me up to Chris McMillan's salon and Chris was standing at the doorway and Leland who was also sober full tattoos and I come walking up 
and they're like, oh my God, bro, where's the rest of you? And they were just started laughing at me because they're both loaded. Any other boss would have been like, dude, you can't work here like that. They were just laughing. They're like, when was the last time you ate? And I was like, dude, it's been a minute. And they're like, get him a breakfast burrito. And then Chris, who was a crackhead, he's like, when was the last time you took a last hit? Huh? When, when? You know, you want to know all the information. And I was like, he thought I was going to say like yesterday or the day. I was like, 15 minutes ago and he was like no way go shampoo Matthew Perry and Matthew Perry was sitting on the couch where they just kind of like let's see how this unravels because they're kind of just they just they weren't tripping they're just drug addicts in recovery and they were like whatever dude as long as we got your back yeah yeah they just were just running it and so I had to go over to Matthew Perry and say I'm gonna shampoo you Right, and that was like the hardest thing ever to come out of your mouth the three three little words Matthew Perry is Friends, yeah. the guy from Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows who he is. Come on, now. Chandler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not everybody. Not I know the it's... millennials that probably don't know. So but... the dude's looking down. He doesn't even look at me, and he's like, oh, "Okay." I'm like stoked. Comes over the shampoo bowl. I'm shampooing on top of him, looking down so, at him. My jaw's going, and I'm like, "I just need to pull this one off, and it's gonna be one at a time today." You know what I mean? I just one at a time, and I'll just hide because I was hiding my whole life. Yeah. You know, showing up to work like this, been yeah. doing it forever. So tiring, hiding, you know, living the lie. It's just exhausting. So I get him shampooed. I put him in the chair. I go out to the courtyard. I sp- smoke up this, spark up this ciggy. And I'm looking at Chris McMillan cutting Matthew Perry's hair. And that was like the moment, the burning bush moment to where I was like, oh, I'm stoked. I'm going to get right. I'm going to get healthy. Because if I get high, I get healthy. You know what I mean? Because I was so sick. Yeah. As soon as I take a hit, I feel okay. So I'm like, I'm going to get 100 bucks from Chris. I'll make $100 in tips. And at 5 o'clock, I'll be able to go back downtown and get what I need. And I was like, wait a minute. And that was the burning bush moment. I put the cigarette out, and I came running around up to Chris's chair. And I was like, bro, bro, check it out. Check it out. I'm like, take me to rehab tonight. I'll go to that place that he went in to. Front Chris, in front of Matthew In front of Matthew Perry at the station and Chris went to the gnarliest rehab because he was there and they and it was called Liberty House and everybody knew it was the last house on the block full behavior modification it's like it's like jail but in a different way and I'll explain that to you so he was like oh my god and I'm like bro I need your help and it was just dead silence and he was like hold on and he knew the owner of the facility Larry and he had his phone at the station where he was working he grabbed his phone he called and he's like hey I got this guy he needs your help he's gonna die and um, we need to get him in and the guy was like sorry the house is full and he's like no 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 you don't understand and the guy Larry was like if you have him here by dinner tonight 5 o'clock because that's how strict it was he has to be at dinner or else we're not getting him in click and Chris was like okay and they said they put me on the couch in the garage and um, at, Chris, Liberty House. at Liberty House Chris hung up looked at his books Meg Ryan haircut 5 o'clock <laughs> and he's like dude I'm so sorry bro and I was like fuck alright so I went back outside and he's like hold on hold on and he's like called Meg Ryan Meg I got this guy he's gonna die I need to move your appointment reschedule she was like okay and Chris hung up, and I made it through the day. Chris drove me to rehab. Two twenty four oh four. It's my sobriety date. Um, Two twenty four oh four. Yeah, my sobriety date. He took me to this place, Liberty House. I lived there for thirteen months, and they basically stripped me of everything. They made me a man. I learned how to 
suit up and show up. I learned how to be of service. And that's what they teach you in in recovery, that you got to give it away to keep it. And the reason being is because I don't like myself because I've been living this lie. And I do things to turn my head off because I don't like myself. And the other thing is, is I'm selfish, self-centered. And that's the root of the disease of alcoholism. It's either I'm the shit, me, 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 or it's. I fucking suck. I'm not going to be good enough. I'll never out to anything or I'll compare Total my, extremes. Total extremes. Yeah, like and I compare Jack myself. Hyde. Yeah. I compare myself to people. and self-degradation. Self. All self. All the time. Yeah. From the minute I wake up, there's just like fear. My head is a loud, scary place. Okay? And if I use drugs and alcohol, it turns my head off. And I've been like that since I was 13 when I first found weed. And that was the thing that turned my head off. And it taught me that I'd be okay. But I self-medicated from 13 to 34. And then I didn't have my medication. And so I had to turn to something else that they taught me, which was esteemable acts create self-esteem. Esteemable acts create self-esteem. Yeah. So from the minute I wake up, I get up, I hit my knees, get humble, right? Please, God, help me. What would you have me do? What would you have me be? I'm not religious, but I'm asking someone other than self for help. Because, yeah. And then I make my bed. And I put my cap on my toothpaste. I clean up my room. Cross the T's, dot the I's, very methodical. Keep yep. yourself structured. Yeah, I get up. I have a cup of coffee. I sit outside in a beautiful place and, and go to gratitude. Instead of sitting, you know, fear. And I recognize when I'm in fear and I'm uncomfortable and I can't sit there for any moment. I have to get out. And I look at, is there an action I can take to get out? And if there's not, I have to turn it over and say, what am I supposed to be learning right here? I'm uncomfortable, but I can't do anything. So <clears throat> acceptance is the key. So all this stuff I would learn in recovery. And that's what you did that for a year, 13 months, a year and a month, 13 months. And then I moved out. But I moved out with some people, not like back into the yeah, Viper yeah, room. Yeah, yeah not you know? like the Viper room with yeah. bad influences. Yeah. Like-minded people in the same situation. Yeah. I got to stay in the middle of the pack, bro. Yeah. You know how the wildebeest, yeah. the ones on the outskirts get taken out? Same deal. I got to stay right in the middle of the pack. And I built my foundation and uh, I started to love myself. And I started to show up early and I would ask people how they're doing and start talking about them. And I'd open up doors for people. I'd look people in the eye. And I realized I could actually look people in the eye, yeah. which usually I, and cause I, I'm, I'm all right, you know? And, um, and so I started getting big at doing hair because Chris's McMillan's, I started working there and they were like, Whoa, this guy's men's haircuts are amazing. Cause I'd done so many. It's that 10,000 hours. Can, can I, uh, yeah. Go back a second. Yeah. And so when you made that, did you ever get, did those Mexican guys ever catch up with you with, uh, no. With the fake hundred dollar bills. No, I just I was in, afraid of all that stuff when I got sober, and it, it's just it I got into many, yeah, I just, just got into faith, in. not in fear, and I just was doing the right thing. And ever since I got sober, I haven't been to jail. You know, so I, have you been to jail? I went to jail. Yeah, for for what? Uh, one night I took roofies for fun, and I was stealing cars in La Jolla. <laughs> And you live down in Mission Beach. Roofies and driving is and stealing. <laughs> yeah. And these two guys caught me breaking into their car, and I ran, bro. And they were huge. And I was on roofies, and I was barely running. 
And I, I Rufy stopped you out, ran they? right to the cops. And they fucking took me to jail and I didn't get beat up. I hey, yeah. roofies knock you out, right? Not if you can make it past the point. Yeah, there is, it's a good high, but don't try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, try it at home. Yeah. Don't try it on the streets. Yeah, yeah. Robin, Robin people. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh, that's right? so insane. It's incredible that this guy, this, uh, the celebrity um, hairstylist, right? Chris? Yeah. And I, it, it, it seemed... No. It seemed really weird that, you know, they were tripping, that that they even he even let you wash somebody's hair, knowing you were on crack. Yeah, I mean that's who we are. You know, we that's kind of like what I do. Like it's a trip that I go out and I cut homeless people's hair without washing their hair. You know, and people trip out on me, and I'm like, no, dude, I've been to the lowest low. Yeah. Like I don't judge anybody anymore. Yeah. I think that's where he was. We just didn't judge. He just act and yeah. was like, "I need him. He needs me, and this is what we're doing right now." And I'm sure he saw himself in you, and he's been through that to where he's just like, you know, I could identify. You know, yeah. where 100%. most people would be like, "I don't want anything to do with you. Turn you away." Where he's like, "So that that um, Liberty House, yeah, do you, you were locked down for." 13 months? Yeah. Like you couldn't leave the premises? No, so they let me go because I was being self-supporting. So the first month, Chris paid for my rehab, which was 1500 bucks, And I actually got back foot in the door with Chris's because I said, you pay for my rehab, I'll work off 15 days. I was making 100 bucks a day. So it actually got my foot back in the door. After that month, my sponsor, he paid for my second month. And I said, one day I'll pay you back. So I got two months. And then the third month, they let me just go two Chris's and they were checking up on me and straight back and then I'd have to be at dinner so I'd, I'd get there at 9.30 after I'd have morning meditation because that house was run with structure yeah. like crazy I had so, so you got the zero zero tolerant like zero the third tolerant. month they, they would let you go to work they would just let me go to work from 9.30 till 4.30 and I was writing essays I was I was cleaning the whole house in the morning when I woke up. And at 1230 at night, I was mopping them. Like, I had chores. I was, dude, I I gained so much, um, what's the word? Just strength. I can sit on the 405 for four hours now and just be content. Humility and yeah. patience and yeah, all that. Yeah, patience. That's the word. Yeah, because I, I worked my ass off. Like, it was gnarly. But I think, you know obviously they know what they're doing you know in a, in a facility like that and how to not break people but retrain people and keeping yourself busy and positive like you know what like there is humility and, and like having to do chores you know but it's also just you know basic you know like fundamentals where it's like we're going to keep you busy and this is like it's reward you know it's it might not be rewarding at the time but it you know it is in a way it because character it, yeah, yeah. For so sure. what was cool, the structure there was the opposite of jail. You know how you narc somebody out in jail and you get shanked? If, if you don't narc somebody out, you're basically killing that person. Yeah. So if somebody's doing something that they continue to do, like glamorize, like, dude, I used to do blow in a limo in Vegas on chick's tits, you know, like, then you got to go fucking narc that person out and say, this guy is doing this. And then we would group that guy and say, dude, there you go again, glamorizing. That's going to get you loaded. And it's going to take probably a couple people out with you. Yeah. You know, so it was all about narking each other out to save each other's lives. And I was living with 30 other alcoholics that were watching my every move. And we would like just pick people apart. And it was, it was just to save their lives. Yeah. What was it like? What was the main like 
drug abuse that people were in their alcoholism. Oh, or, bro. I mean, everybody, heroin addicts, everyone did everything. 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 And, you know, it's so cool. Six of my buddies from that rehab, we go to Cabo and we surf the East Cape every year. And all six of them, families, businesses, we all, that that rehab, Liberty House or Sober Living, has like an 80% success rate. And six of my best friends, they're all period. killing it. And we, all. Have, we go down to Max and we run it hard. We surf yeah. three times a day. We come in, we do tacos. We're on stage dancing sober. And like we're just running amok. We like sit there and stare at the uh, pharmacy going... Oh my God, what can we buy? And we all took Viagra one night and surf trunks. <laughs> and we were in Mex, surf trunks and Viagra because it wasn't mind altering. Oh my God. And we thought about it. We're well, like, your mind is down there. You know that, right? What's that? <laughs> I said, your mind is down there. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. It always leads How me to funny. Long time. Yeah. That's freaking funny. Oh, hilarious. it was like a movie, bro. We yeah. were just classic on stage dancing, full force. So, so back backtrack to when you were in high school and junior high and growing up surfing mm. did you ever go on, on on surf trips or yeah we would uh we would just drive we would go you know it would be it would be in the volkswagen bus you know surfboards on top down to rosarita or we'd go to blacks for the day i walked down the hutchman trail we would just keep surf- checking spots we'd end up in oceanside always south you know waves yeah. were better south we went to Hulama once we had a great time and uh you know, Sands, Campus Point, all that Santa Barbara IV stuff. But, uh, you know, parents would take me to Hawaii. I'd bring my board. We'd, you know, I've been to Costa Rica. I surfed down there. But Cabo is, is kind of my spot now. You know, two-hour hit yeah. down in the East Cape. And that's Love the best. Cabo. Yeah, that's the best. I need to get down there it, again soon. Yeah, we, we always talk about, like, the waves are fun. It's not, like, world-class. But, yeah. But the... The, the climate, the, the, the amenities so for, for just Drunk a boys' trip yeah. or a family trip. Yeah. And it's like you said, a quick strike. Like it's a yeah. two-hour. You don't have to waste a day or two traveling. And you can get in and out in a relatively short period of time. And My yeah. chick loves the Cape, and I got yeah. monuments right in front. So Dude. that left right there, yeah. we go there a lot. Yeah. A lot of good coffee, good food, and perfect surf out front, except for that sea urchin rock. Yeah. <laughs> that thing gets me every time. Dude. That set... Uh, Seven nine palms. What is it? Seven. Oh palms? yeah, nine palms. Nine, nine palms. palms. I got blasted with yeah. urchins there. Yeah, yeah. bad. Yeah. The very very first time I went, I went uh-huh. with a girlfriend uh-huh. and didn't know anything. You know, yeah. didn't know where to go. We rented a Volkswagen Bug, mm-hmm. and you know how people tell you, yeah, you know this arch, and mm-hmm. when you see this mm-hmm. tree, you go left, and then, dude, it took me like almost a day and a half to find monuments. <laughs> yeah. And when we finally found it, I was like, holy this shit. It? <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. You know, the waves were really good, but it took forever. Yeah, my parents used to take me down to Puerto Vallarta when I was um, from 12 to 20. And I, I, they weren't even surfing down there. The locals, like, they, they were making billabong bracelets out of, like, little uh, yarn and stuff. Yeah. And I brought my surfboard down. And uh, there was the local, his name was Pinto, and there was a, a beach break right there in Puerto Vallarta, and right in front of our hotel. And I would bring boards, and I'd bring all my surf trunks and everything, and I'd leave it all with them because we would go from Christmas to New Year's, and then I would sell all my stuff and go out drinking on New Year's because I was like 13, 14, and then they allowed me to drink. There and uh, they, re- they rented me a Volkswagen thing at 13 years old, and we would drive out to Punta Mita 
And there was there was that perfect ride out there where there's hotels now, but there was one guy in a bus. His name was Carlos, and he was an ex-con that lived in his Volkswagen bus. Every year, I'd meet this dude, Pat, who's from Florida. We'd meet up, and every year, we'd drive out to that point, and we, we would get, like, a hefty trash bag full of weed for, for like, 10 bucks. You know, it was, like, banana buds from the jungle. Just sticking seeds and... Yeah. yeah, and we would just and every summer, every Christmas for two weeks I'd go to Puerto Vallarta, so that was a good little trip. Yeah, they have a timeshare down there. Or you guys just had the no, just they just, they just that loved area? it. My parents were Jewish and they didn't like the glitz of, of the holidays and and they'd like to spend Christmas down in in, in Puerto Vallarta. And yeah, it was just that's what they were doing. That's down awesome. there. Down what the did your parents do for a living? So both my parents were in service. My mom is a physical therapist, and my dad teaches high school in the ghetto. I guess you can't say the ghetto anymore, but it was like Doherty, you yeah. know, like like out there. But uh, high school biology. Yeah, that's awesome. So Professor. you you were you mentioned that you you did a drug deal out in Boston. Yeah, tell us about that. What happened? So these guys came out, and I guess they were like mob sons or something. A couple of dudes. We went out to dinner in La Jolla. They're like, yeah, we need. Uh, it was twenty peas and. Uh, my chick's brother had set it up and they said these guys were legit. So me and my chick's brother, we flew out with 10 pounds in a suitcase each, flew into Logan Airport, got there. The dudes uh, weren't there to pick us up. We're calling, we're standing there, state troopers in front of the, the uh, airport. I'm like, let's just jump in a cab, get away from these dogs, you know? And we had wrapped it all up, the weed, but they're in our suitcases. And we went to this hotel, and then the guys, they're like, are cops following you? Cops following you? I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. And then they came, jumped in their car. They're like, yeah, the dude that's got the money, is, he's not home yet. We just, you guys want to go eat? I was like, yeah, let's go eat. So we pulled into this Chinese restaurant. And basically, when we got out of the car, they just, they just basically took off and stole the 20 peas. And so we were, my chick's brother and I were walking the Logan Airport going, how are we going to pay the Mexican mafia back? Because they fronted me these 20 peas. And that's a freaking crap load of money. Yeah. And and let alone, like, who knows what's going to happen. No, I thought we were dead. Like, yeah. Like, like the, 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 probably one of the like, scariest things I've ever experienced. Like, they, we got a death warrant on yeah. our freaking head yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fronted it to me, not my chick's brother. It was all on my shoulders. And I was pacing the airport till the next morning. Uh, my uncle you know paid for our tickets to get home because they had stole everything we had suitcases full of clothes and my wallet was in the suitcase and everything and and uh they uh no cell phone nothing no we went to this little hotel and um called and i couldn't even sleep so we just went to the airport and walked to the airport till six in the morning till the flight all night long and logan has this upstairs downstairs so we kept doing this lap and we were just playing the tape like what are we going to do what are we going to do what are we going to do and then uh, I talked to the, the mafia, and they were like, we'll get those guys. We know who they are. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. And then basically they're like, you need to work it off. So they gave me more pounds, and I had to work off the money that was owed. And, uh, and I worked it off, sold more pounds, and then paid it off. And here to, here to tell the story. Yeah. Dude. Dude, how many times did you put yourself, your life on the line? Um, multiple, multiple times. I'm surprised I'm here, bro. Like seriously, seriously. right next to the border in this like residential shit. I was picking up a hundred pounds in my uh, Ford Explorer, no trunk. Pulled into this house, two pit bulls chain linked to the fence, bunch of baby pit bulls. 
I go in to get the pounds. Two-bedroom, linoleum floors, no furniture. A Mexican guy didn't speak any English. Walk in. He opens up the closet to show me the pounds, and there was a tunnel that went to Mexico inside this closet, bro. Oh, my And he's, I'm like, all right, I'll take it. And he basically lifted the box, put it in my Explorer, Ford Explorer, and I drove through this residential right in San Jacinto. And I was like, if any cop sees me right now, there's no reason why a white kid needs to be driving right here. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason. I need to get on the five freeway north. But you're on this out. side, right? Yeah, I'm this right side next the to the border. Yeah, yeah, you know how it's like eerie. You see that. And so I get on the five north and I'm beelining it. And I go meet my buddy. Not too fast. Not too fast. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> don't, don't, don't want to get pulled over. No, is that 65, 66, 66, 65, 67? I don't know. Yeah. So, and then I got the dude who's buying the weed from me. I'm not going to say his name. You know him. And uh, he gets in the car and the whole car smells like skunk, right? And he's like, oh my God, bro. This is such a bust. He's like, we need to make it home, right? To this house. So we start driving through PB. And uh, he'll probably hear this story, which is dope. We get to the stop sign, and we look back. There's a cop behind us. Oh shit! And, and just we're like, stink as it's just slump. stinking. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, do I go straight or do I make the right? Do I go straight or make the right? Do I go straight? And he's like, dude, go make the right. <laughs> I make the right. Cop goes straight. Moment in my time. You know what I mean? Where it could have been either right way. Turn. Yeah, you know? choose wisely. Yeah, I mean, wow. how many how many times yeah. has you, that that crossroad come? And yeah. you know, like you've oh been there. Even, maybe not 100 pounds, but do I make the ride or do I <laughs> stay behind me? You know, not too obvious. Oh, I hate to. It's just so crazy. 13 years old, all the way to 34. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's like 20 years. Of fucking doing life lessons, you know. But he was doing the he wrong. He was pulling thing. it for a lot of those years until you know. And yeah. and okay, but man, going back to what tiring. makes you really the men's tiring. groomer, <laughs> yeah, really right. The, yeah. You're the men's groomer, yeah. And you have um, made a niche for yourself, cutting hair, yes. and styling. Yeah. Yes. So going back, you worked your way through rehab at Chris's salon. Yeah. And he saw you got a talent. You're showing yep. up. Yep. Like you're sober. And that yep. just opens. Chris Cornell comes through the door. Chris couldn't be there for Chris Cornell. He's like, here, try Jason. We hit it off. Traveled with Chris. Rest in peace. Hugh Jackman, Chris McMillan got sick. Couldn't be in Miami for this press. I'm at Coachella. I get a phone call. You need to be in Miami tomorrow to go do Hugh Jackman. I literally turn to my wife. I'm like, going to Hugh Jackman tomorrow. It's like, what the fuck? Fly out of fucking Palm Desert straight to fucking Miami. Miami, do Hugh Jackman, hit it off with him. I end up <clears throat> traveling the world with him, going to the so, Wall of China. We so, walked it. We went to the Forbidden City. We went to the dude underneath the subway, sushi, and like Paris. To oh, that's Frog Wall. Yeah, yeah. We do. We did it all. I'm in five There's star. There's a documentary on that guy. Yeah, I'm in five star, just getting the okay. full treatment. But, but like. Hugh, Hugh Jackman, like VIP, like money's not an issue. Like nope. I'm the man. Top hotel. Hold on, hold on, you guys. That's range. So, so yeah. going back, yeah, going back to that day, you walk into Chris, um, what's the guy's name? McMillan. McMillan's yeah. salon. Yeah. Before that, yeah. Did did you cut celebrities' hair? No. 
Never. No, but I had a buddy when I was smoking crack. He was like, bro, you should do this. You could be a celebrity hairstylist. And I but, never, but I you, was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, you never thought of it, right? No, 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 no. So when you finally went and walked in his door yeah. and he said, wash Matthew Perry's hair, mm. you knew who Matthew Perry was. Yes. Oh, yeah. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. here you are, never touched a celebrity's hair. No. Never thought about being a no. celebrity. But here you are with this opportunity and you're on crack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and you're like, oh shit, you know, like I'm washing the superstar's hair. Right. But you're not even thinking about it because you're on crack. Yeah. You, you just don't want to, when you're washing his hair, you're thinking, I don't want to die. I don't want to pass out. I don't want to throw up. Yeah. All those weird things that yeah. a drug addict is, is going through. But that one point in time, you're like, holy shit, I had, I'm an, I'm washing a celebrity's hair. Yeah. And this is my new world that I'm going to be part of. No. None of that. No. You know what I mean? But thinking about that, now you're like, fuck, dude, how lucky are you? Yeah. Yeah. Could have gone bad so many ways, but like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you went from dying somewhere. Yeah. Walking the streets. Walking the streets. You know, killing yourself. Yeah. Homeless. to, To walking to this dude's. And they like to fucking go in there. Great when, when's the last time you fucking smoke crack? Fifteen minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Go wash this guy's hair. Like, who the how? Who else has done that in their lives? Well, what, it's interesting you're talking about that because I believe it's fate and everybody's got their path. And the other day I got a direct message. I woke up to two direct messages. One was a woman who's a hairstylist who said, "My, I have my daughter living with me. She's 19. She's hooked on heroin." And I'm way out over my head here. Can you help me? Okay. I was like, send me a picture. Most beautiful mom, most beautiful daughter. All right. Second direct message. This guy from High Water Rehab, the first rehab ever in Connecticut. I was there with Rob Lowe the other day and he spoke. And the guy, the owner, didn't know that I do stuff that I do. And he tracked me down the next day after I left. He was like, I had no idea what you did. We've got to have you back here and speak. But he said, if you ever need anybody scholarship, give me a call. And I said, well, that's pretty funny because I got two direct messages. We had the girl on a plane with her dad Sunday night. She was getting ready to leave because she was, she was getting antsy. So when you're on dope, you can only last for so long and you have to get high. And the mom was like, I got to do something quick. She's going to leave. We had her the Sunday night on a plane. I got the chills right now. Yeah, me too. On the plane with the dad, who I didn't know, who sent me a direct message saying, dude, anything you ever need in your life, let me know you saved my daughter's life. She's at rehab now, full oh. scholarship, 12 months. She's doing great. And it was because of two direct messages I woke up to. All right? And that's fake. One from the addict yeah. mom. Yeah. And one from the rehab center. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't hesitate. Yeah. I didn't hesitate. I'm like, dude, this is something way greater than myself here. For sure. And another incident happened where I was working with a guy on set and he got a DUI in Georgia when I was just there and he crashed his car and I got a direct, uh, the next morning I got a direct message from my buddy. He said, I want to give this car to somebody in sobriety. He needed a car. And I connected those. And got the guy a free car. Wow. Yeah. So I just, I'm just listening, you know, yeah. and that's, and I'm, and I'm present enough to see these moments 
and to not let them just go as moments, but to realize that yeah. there's something greater than herself. Dude, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's. I got a tear out of yeah, Lindy, bro. Well, you know, that is like, I mean, as feel good as it could be for, you know, somebody that's mm. had your past, you know? Bro. Because it's not like, it's not always about, like what you said, it's not about me anymore. And nope. It's about my service and how do I. And you're not looking for these opportunities. You're just doing you're, you're just doing you. But they present themselves, and you're you know. It's contrary action, to be honest. Yeah. Because I'm but, I'm a douchebag drug addict, like, and I have to do the opposite. You yeah. know what I mean? I have to take the action, and it doesn't come natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'll sit here and talk about myself, like we're doing right now, and I'm just in the zone. Yeah. But it's like, how much have I asked you about how you're doing? throughout the day so it's contrary action i'm doing great but yeah thanks for showing up dude yeah yeah this is awesome i really appreciate you being here because we always say this this show there's no no crying podcast everybody everybody says oh man your guys' show is awesome i'm like you know what like it's not the show's not about me and Lyndon, although i like to make it about myself a lot you're pretty good no but uh it's about our guests and their story and you know it's just highlighting you know everybody's you know journeys and stuff and and i mean yours is definitely wow you know like well thanks for even like asking me to do this because i'm like seeing machado and all my like heroes and heroes you know i'm like dude what am i gonna do everyone has a fucking story you know And it's really interesting when you find out that they do have a story. You know what I mean? And just going back to that question that I asked, it's like it it baffles the mind of where you were at at that point in time. But that was the day that made your life a hundred times better. Yeah. You know? And to to like really think about it. Yeah. You're washing, you, you washed, not to say no-namers or nobodies, but you washed or cut people's hair that weren't going to change your life. But here it is on the day of, of reckoning for you. Mm. You're washing, you're the first person you walk into, mm. you're washing Matthew Perry's yeah. hair. And this guy that day... Puts you into rehab. Yeah. Just just the tens of thousands of salons and everywhere and the way you moved up to Hollywood, the girl. And mm. I mean, your path is, you know, it, yeah, whether you call it fate or destiny or, or you know, a higher power delivered you to that zone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but Chris yeah. always says, he's like, dude, you did it. Yeah. You did it. And, and I and people in recovery were taught that it's, it's not us. It's, yeah. it's a power also. But really, I was present enough and I had the tools at that point to not not do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to handle my business because yeah. I am sick of being at the bottom. Yeah. I need to come up. Well, you, you, you had talent as far as um, styling and yeah. cutting hair. You had a knack for it. You had a flair for it. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. And then you also have the personality mm-hmm. to go along with it. You have the gift of gab, like you yeah. said. You you know that you can get along with people. You're a chameleon, and these these celebrities, you know, it's just like everybody else. You know, they 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 want to they, they would rather deal with somebody or work with somebody that 
they feel comfortable with absolutely and and like do good job absolutely. right yeah. you, you want to look good but it's yeah it's kind yeah, of an like, intimate like bond you know to, to have somebody yeah. style you you know like, it's tricky dude. it's yeah. tricky like it's a tricky sitch like you need to know how to read the room and i'm still learning and i've lost people over the years because i'm also a big personality and i'm working with big personalities and i gotta know when to hold yeah. it know when to fold it yeah. you know totally and uh and then, yeah, like, like I'm the last person, <laughs> I'm the last person they see before they go out and sing at the Super Bowl halftime. Yeah. Like, That's so fucking crazy, dude. I've been to two yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah, like, let's talk about just some of the, your your clientele. Bruno you know, Mars. Yeah, that, that was that crazy. That was about? another phone call that I got, and they're like, "Yeah, Bruno wants you to go cut his hair," and I was like, "Fucking pinch me." Wait, you know what okay. I mean? So, yeah. so a phone so call. Go back to the salon. And, and, you know, obviously there's tons of stars. Meg Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Chris Cornell, you said. Yeah, everybody and, was and coming in as, there. As you're like, you know, digging your heels in this place. Yeah. You know, you're, you've become a, a regular. Yeah. You know, meeting all the regulars. Yeah. All the fucking superstars that come Going in there. Party sober and like yeah. to talk to Tom Hanks and, and Oprah Winfrey. No way. Oh, bro, are you kidding me? My wife does Jennifer Aniston's hair, okay? We're invited to every she one of our Christmas too? parties. Yeah. We went to Cabo for Jen's 40th, all right? I'm in Cabo with everybody you Look can possibly guy. imagine, dude. Christmas parties and the crackhead working the room, dude, talking to Tom <laughs> Hanks, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, everybody you can possibly imagine in Hollywood. And I'm like, I think I'm getting better at this after 10 years of like, yeah, I said hi to fucking Borat, you know, and we hit it off. Adam Sandler talking about our man boobs together. Like, <laughs> dude, we, we, like, it's it's real, so, bro. I'm, I'm tripping. So, so yeah. you, you, how many years did you work with Chris? I was at Chris's for 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Long time. I paid my dues there. It was an amazing, beautiful house. Um, you know, I'm grateful for that journey. And then it came a time when I was like, okay, I'm going to try and open up something in the beach on the west side. So what happened is Venice became way more gentrified, and it was a lot of production people that are moving over there. Can, yeah. can I, can I uh, ask you, hopefully it's not too prying, but yeah. were you making good money? So, yeah, I've been working hard to make my money. Yeah. It's not like, it's I mean, not cutting, like fuck you money, but cut, it's like Cutting superstars' hair so, would seem like pretty good money. Yeah, so yeah. I have an agent. Who negotiates my deals? The most of the money comes, but bigger money. Took a while to get an agent, right? Like, well, I got Chris's agent early on, and I told her I was like, I want to be a celebrity hairstylist, and she looked at me and was like, Okay, great, you know, because a lot of people come to her and say that, yeah. yeah. But she saw that I was actually Service doing it and doing it. Yeah. I was doing it, and she didn't book me on jobs. She didn't get me jobs. She just, I'd bring the jobs to her and she would lock down and knew what to charge Sony, Warner Brothers. And that's where the money's come from because these movies that come out pay millions and millions and millions of dollars for a poster that goes on every bus and in every part of LA and the world, New York City. And guess who's doing the hair for this poster? So for me to do poster hair, like that's what's selling the movie is their lead. 
So that's where the Poster money. Era. Yeah. Seriously, I yeah. mean that's. I mean, it's funny you yeah. say that, but I, I mean, I totally get it. Like, yeah. I mean, that's sex that's sells the the, 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 the star of, sells the yeah. you know well, the the face. If he looks like shit and fifty year old women don't want to go see Rob Lowe because he's washed up, then it's not as good of a movie sale. That's yeah. so funny that you you put you just explain to us what makes you money. Mm-hmm. And it's styling the guy for a poster. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, that's some of the or oh, yeah. Coca Cola. Those yeah. are good gigs. Yeah. yeah, you know, for a product, those are the biggest gigs. Okay, backtrack yeah. though. Yeah, you're there. You're you're meeting and hobnobbing with all the stars, and yeah. and you know, I, how, what was like the dynamic between you and Chris? Because he owned the place. Yeah. Right. And yeah. He's, but here you are, kind of like. Becoming a, uh, yeah, it's always a celebrity in yourself. You it know was I mean? always kind of like a big brother, little brother thing. Yeah. Like we kind of big personality. Chris got a big personality. I have a different big personality. So we had our own lanes, but we would definitely bump. But you worked together for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. you know surprises me in a way, a, a little bit. You know what I mean? Because well, he, I'm not the only one that's made it big working there. Like, there's been probably about ten other celebrity hairstylists. Like Jen Atkins worked at Chris. She does all the Kardashians. She's got like product lines. She's got it all. And um, and so there's been a lot of people that have come out of out of Chris's. Like okay. that was the spot in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Like that was yeah. the. Did talent. you know that? Cool. Yeah, I was so intimidated when I first came there. I'm like, there's yeah. no place for me here. And what happened was somebody who worked there opened a salon and then it opened a space open and I slid right in. So I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to equate to these. That people was that men specific or just a seat. Cause those seats are very few and far between. Yeah. Like, it was packed. Like yeah. there was Madonna's Madonna was coming in. There's her, his hairstylist, you know, wow. and there was just, everybody had their own people. It was yeah. like Britney Spears and it was, it was just Brad Pitt. Jesus. And Christ. it was everybody. They would just come in and they'd sit in these chairs. Yeah. And then the guy who uh, did Madonna's opened his spot and a chair opened up. And Chris was like, uh, we got a Wednesday open. And he's like, you think you can bring some people in? And I was like, hell yeah. And I called everybody I knew and I packed the place. And Chris was like, wow, that was dope. What if I give you another day? And I was like, yeah. And I called everybody I knew and I packed. Second You're going day. shorter this week, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't cut too much. I'm going to have to have you back here in two weeks. <laughs> exactly. So it was, and then I, that's how I, I got in there was when the opportunity opened. I really hustled it. And made it happen. Yeah, because yeah, you got to generate, you know, that space money, you yeah. know. And I mean, as much as it is for your livelihood, they, you know, they want a packed house, you yeah. know, like it's a business for sure. So, but 18 years you, you, yeah. you worked for with Beverly Hills, 18 years. And, uh, and then I moved and I opened my own spot in Venice because, like I was saying, production people started moving to Venice. And I was like, I wonder if I could pull this off. And there's never been a salon that has been successful like fred siegel did it on the west side it yeah. was cool it was cool right but people go to beverly hills to get their hair done mm. and then there was a place on the east side called sweeney todd's which was cool and it was like when the barbering thing started and so it was a, a real risk for me to open up the men's groomer in venice and i opened it a year prior to covid and we were just generating some some cuts and starting to, you know, I was carrying the place. And then COVID hit. 
and we made it through COVID and now people love it. There's six people every day cutting amazing hair. I've hired, handpicked these people. They've trained under me. It's an amazing surf shop vibe. Motorcycles, hot rods out front. There's a tattoo spot next door. It's the best tattoo spot on the west side. And we have this whole camaraderie, the most epic coffee. Everything's free except for the haircut. It's hundred bucks. So tell, <laughs> you know? so tell us about um, you know, yeah. the, the men's groomer and how you came up with your label and, and okay so I uh, I started thinking that I could do my own products because I was using products that were good and I knew what's good and what wasn't good and uh, and so I, I started looking at how to start that and um, I started working with a chemist and they sent me crap because chemists don't do hair chemist makes products mm-hmm. and so I have to be the chemist so I would send it back and I was like like this paste that I made yeah. This is the number one seller, this paste. So the paste has that signature sex wax smell. Brings me back to my youth. My favorite all-time smell is so, sex so wax. So you're like, I I love the smell of sex wax. That's, yep. that, you know, that's my culture. That's yep. where I grew up. Yep. I want it like yep. that. Was, he tri- was your chemist tripping? No, we handled it, and that was easy. We found the smell. There was a lot of different ones that were too strong, mm-hmm. and I was like, I wanted it to be great. I wanted it to be subtle. Yeah. So, But the crazy thing, this paste that I made is – is it's got a cult following it's the best men's hair product in the market uh, hands down okay i don't use a lot of hair product but i will use that yeah so this junior get down here 13 formulations to make this okay back and forth with the chemist and i was like too sticky and he, he i was like take late make it less sticky and he made it a little less sticky that's for junior that's to that. slick his hair. The pomades to do that like wet barber. Yeah. Good hair, bro. Yeah. He's got good hair. Yeah. He's got good hair. Look at this kid. hair. So Super good. Hair. <laughs> it's all, everybody's like, oh, does he highlight it? And I'm like, no, it's just sun and salt water. Man. What's your name? JJ. JJ. Good yeah. to meet you. Yeah, that's good. He's got a mullet, bro. Yeah. That's epic. <laughs> Mullet's back right now. Tell Jason thanks. Yep. Champagne Shushy. conditioner since, for you. Since it's no use for me. AKA Schneidy. JJ. You're stoked, bro. It smells like sex wax. Hey, just don't eat it. So, um, <laughs> kid's gonna be a good surfer. He yeah. already is. Yeah, amazing. He's already got. Yeah. Chip yeah. off his uh, uncle's block. <laughs> so dope. <laughs> Funny. So yeah, going back to your thirteen products. formulations. That I was like less sticky. The guy made it barely less sticky. I was like, take all the stick out. Meet me halfway. I was like, cool. Now take half of that and half of that. I'm doing it at home. I'm like 75, 25, and I'm mixing it up to it with my hands, clumping. I'm like, that's a little better. And then I, I rub it on the mirror, and I'm like, this isn't like the stuff I like. It's got clumps. The one that I like is smooth. It looks like Christmas snow on the window, you know? Mm. So I call the guy back, and I'm like, dude, take the product you just made me. Rub it. Don't call me back. Don't send me anything until there's no clumps on the mirror. Like, stuff like that that I did as a hairstylist. Yeah, a you know? Like, yeah. Like, so yeah. that's what made my paste yeah. the best product. Now, the paste doesn't dry stiff. A lot of hair product dries like a porcupine. Yeah. This stuff you can move around, but it gives it the clumpy great like matte shine right in yeah. the middle there and you can just move it around yeah. 20 minutes you look in the mirror you're like oh i need to push that's it up. so interesting because yeah. you do you know use your hands before it even touches hair and it's yeah. got it's got to have that right texture yeah sure 100 this yeah. stuff comes out you have to heat it up in your hands you take like a half a gumball yeah heat it up really good in your hands put it a little bit in the thicker spots and then the residue goes on the top yeah so so going back yeah. to when you started men's groomer mm-hmm. so you you were still working for Chris, and you were like, okay, Venice, uh, no one's doing it there, right? Yeah. 
and that's where you want to be on the west side yeah and um did you have the money to do it like so i hit my sister up she loaned me 50 grand my dad loaned me 50 grand and i started the build and i designed the shop and i love designing it's all light wood and it's just it turned out insane yeah, everybody just beautiful. loves it yeah. and uh it's such a good rhythm. There's this huge front desk that's like a that piece monkey of paw. Wood is yeah, nuts. monkey paw. It's from Thailand. It's a, a big piece of wood, but it's one big tree, and it's got energy in that piece of wood. It's alive. Oh, it's a centerpiece. Center, yeah. yeah. And um, it, there's just such good energy. There's cute girls cutting hair, which doesn't hurt. You yeah, know, yeah. people are flooding in. Really good coffee from a local roaster. It's super fresh. And then we got Dogtown, you know, and that... And the, the, so this is interesting. The products, I realized that I go out on the street. And if you look at my Instagram, The Men's Groomer, you can scroll through the last five years of me helping people and doing the transformations. And what I found is there's a lot of people in the street that are where I was, that are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And they don't have the resources. So what I've yeah. been doing is I've been part of the proceeds of my products goes to help get a scholarship from different rehabs and sober livings in LA and actually all over the world now we've been we've been getting you know other people to help out but one thing that I did so Jim Muir lived at the end of my alley and he walked by one day with a terrible haircut and he's like yeah man this haircut and Jim you got Jim's red dog he's like founder one of the skaters from the Z-Boys oh, Dogtown yeah. Dogtown Red yeah. Dog so he has the brand uh, Dogtown, yep. which nothing says more than Venice and Santa Monica than Dogtown. Skateboarding. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I need to uh, I, I need to get some Dogtown in there. I'm like, dude, that will give us like legitimacy yeah. in Venice. And he's like, dude, absolutely, bro. But first, I'm like, sit down and let me fix that haircut. <laughs> so I fixed his haircut and I've been cutting his hair ever since. We meet in the morning. He lives at the end of my alley. We shoot the shit. I go into the warehouse. I just pick decks and full skates and clothes and everything. And we've been selling stuff. We got the full Dogtown account there. But I go out and I put these events together. In the last five years, I've become a camp director. So it was me in a backpack first and my clippers. Cordless clippers got really good. So I'd go out and I'd find a homeless guy that needed to get sober. And I'd start talking to him about my experience, strength, and hope. And I'd talk to him that it's not too late for him. Yeah. And, you know, I'd give him a transformation. I'd show him himself in the mirror and, and he would remember who he was. Because a lot of these people on the street are hiding. Yeah. And when you, you, you get them in your chair and you make them feel good on the outside, they start feeling good on the inside. And, um, and so what I've been doing is... Uh, doing these events and I put it together and I put it up on my Instagram, the men's groomer, tons of hairstylists show up, tons of clients come with clothes and food. And every event that I've been doing, I've been hitting Jim up and I said, I'd like to buy socks from our foundation. And we've started a foundation. It's called the men's groomer foundation. It's a 501 C three. You can see it on the men's uh, anything the men, the men's groomer you search, it'll show everything that I've done. But really, these socks, he would give me boxes of these Dogtown socks, and we'd pass them out. But we just now did a collab with Jim, and yeah. so we got these sick-ass Dogtown with our the men's groomer palm tree scissor logo on it. Logo Circle. so sick. Dope. Thanks, yeah. bro. I mean, to encompass your life of, like, surf, beach, and your profession, it's like, 
Nailed it. Thank you. Nailed I worked it. with a friend, and this took like the same thing, a bunch of formulations to make it feel right. It yeah. felt amazing, and I was like, that's it. And people, I knew it, the logo was good when I sticker slapped it on the back of Chris McMillan's G-Wagon, and he left it. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? The dude left it on the back of it's his G-Wagon worthy. Dude, $150,000 G-Wagon. I slapped a sticker, and he left it. So... I don't know, but we, we have these socks, so now the socks, anytime you buy a pair of socks, one gets donated to somebody on the street, and we go out, and we do these which events is, monthly. Which is huge monthly. for those on the street, like yeah. socks and personal Undies, care and stuff. Hygiene. And hygiene. Yeah. yeah, and resources for rehab, and that's yeah. what I'm really working on for the men's groomers, providing more resources because it's really tough out there. That uh, Medi-Cal, it's really hard to get into rehab if you want to get into rehab with Medi-Cal insurance. So yeah. I'm, I'm all about one person at a time, just like I was with Matthew Perry at that moment. It's all about baby steps. Just focus just on it now and one moment, yeah. one person at a time. That's so cool. I've changed many lives in the last Dude. five years. So you're t- you're talking about how? Um, well, we know a little bit more of the inside story than 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 we're leading on. But like you. We're doing this before you got fame, or well, you're famous, but you're doing the, the cutting with the camera crew. Like you actually were creating a pilot at one point, weren't you, for so, the show? Yeah, so I had an idea to go out and do hair ambush, was a, is what I was calling it. And I, I was like, let's go find somebody who, who's just worst style ever, just wearing sketchers and like bad hair parted down the middle. And so we went out with a camera crew and I found this dude on his lunch break and I cut his hair and he was like, you're going to cut my hair. And I had the hot assistant. She's like, do you know who this guy cuts? Like, he's really good. Just give him a minute. So I cut his hair and he's walking back to all, you know, proud, (laughs) walking back to his job after lunch. So we did a couple of them, but we did a guy at U-Haul on the side of U-Haul and he was drunk and he was homeless. Yeah. That stayed with me for two years. And then it was weird. I, I was thinking late night, I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like, I need to go buy clippers in the morning and go cut some homeless people's hair. It just hit me. Yeah. And that's when it started. And I called my business partner and I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm going out to Hollywood Boulevard. I'm like, this isn't going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. You probably are not going to want to go, but I need somebody to hold the phone for me. I'm going to go cut some people's hair. And he's like, bro, I've been with you through all your insanity. Let's do it. So my business partner met me and he was tripping out. He was like, you can't do that. I'm like, I'm doing it. I just pull a chair right from the restaurant, put it on the sidewalk, and the owner comes out. You know, you're going to do that. And I'm like, dude, five minutes. Cop pulls up. I'm like, five minutes. Yeah. And, and that was it. I just bootstrapped on Hollywood Boulevard and started doing these, these cuts for people and filming the transformations and showing the people around them, treating them differently, yeah. and showing the energy of the person's change. And it was just, it's just been cool. And, and the shit just calls me, dude. Like right now, I'm like, I got to go. I got to go do some more, yeah. you know, because every time I do it, it just feels, there's nothing that feels better. I always say when I serve and I surf to surf and serve leaves me feeling the best at night. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? After that session, feel, three session, bro, yeah. you're hungry, you're cozy, you're yeah. worked out. Spent, you're, you're, you're yeah. Brain, body, soul yeah. is like, you know, just you're same fulfilled. Yeah. Fulfilled, yeah. Yeah. fulfilled and you can sleep like a log. That's it. <laughs> and we always talk about how do, how do we, you know, create a lifestyle where that's our life. Is this? <laughs> yeah. Not less yeah. work, more play. Yeah, that's what I'm... More serve. No, we, we, we love it. But, I mean, 
the fact that you're, you know, not just, you know, transforming people, you know, like you're helping, you know, people off the street or giving them a chance, you know, yeah. like, cause you know, there's a lot of bar- bad haircuts out there, you know, and to go, yeah. you know, make somebody feel good is, is great and all, but to yeah. help those that are less fortunate or really down and out is like, that's huge. It's huge. Definitely. Yeah. And even if it's one, two, three, four, you know, in my lifetime. Yeah. I Dude, mean, it's, it's just cycles down. It's somebody's grand, great grandpa that probably wouldn't, there's kids wouldn't be there. They're great grandkids, you know? Yeah. And what's, you know, most of these, you know, I obviously have conversations with a lot of these um, people you're cutting on the street and, and what's been their, like, you know, their story, like on some of them, like just lost a job, a divorce, mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, I'm sure there's a mixed bag of everything, you know? Yeah, for sure. Everybody's got a story. So nuts. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what, what I mean. <laughs> covered it I'm just covering like, yeah, I'm looking at We've your covered, little list here. And We've covered a good amount. And homeless, the comeback, giving back, the, you know, the men's groomer products, the, the, the foundation. What, what board are you writing, bro? Right now I'm writing a stamps board. It's a five, I think it's five, eight. I don't even know. Flare. I don't know what it's called, but Wellesy gave it to me. He's like, bro, you need more girth. Because he took, <laughs> dude, he's like, you're not a grom anymore. I got this belly, you know? And he's like, he went to go film me. And, you know, I was struggling. He's like, bro, he took me back to his, his uh, garage. And he was like, he called Stamps. He's like, can I give Schneidy this board? And Stamps okayed it. And it's been a game changer. So I got to get a few more. Definitely. Yeah. His boards are insane. Oh, we love them. That's so all. He, he, when, when Grom, that's all we ride. <laughs> yeah, I need to get another one. Yeah, when Grom walked in, he's yeah. like, did, did "Stamps, did Stamps get back to you?" Because <laughs> like you were waiting on a couple that's boards. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. But yeah, so I mean, so right now you 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 still got you know celebrities. You're doing some traveling with some mm-hmm. of your high end clients. Just got back from a month in Georgia with Rob Lowe. A month. A month living at the St. Regis. I was like, pinch me, dude. Room service? Are you kidding me? So I was away from the fam. That was tough, but it was just enough time. Did a movie. It was a Netflix movie. With and Rob was the lead. So all day between sets and, and wardrobe changes, you're in there like hands yeah. on all day. Yeah, pretty much. Gnarly. I mean, people are like, what do you snip a little bit every day? I'm like, no, bro. The guy wakes up in the scene. He's got to look like he just woke up with hair from... Bedhead. Yeah. And then, and then he's it. in a suit. He's got to be suited. So that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I incredible. just continuity. Yeah. That's yeah. a trip. Yeah. And, you know? and yeah. The so per- the perks of like being an entertainer like you're on set like you're part of the, the you know the production we gotta get rob like, on the staff, podcast like, bro he surfs he's cool yeah yeah it's cool head we're, 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 we gotta get rob and then we gotta get laird i pitched laird for oh yeah we, we, we didn't bring up yeah a little bit on the opening you know but yeah how did how did laird i've cut laird you? three times his wife booked the appointment he had some like photo shoot or something and he was one. I think I remember you saying he was one. You're you're really nervous, yeah, dude. I'm starstruck. not starstruck, but I was like Laird, bro. That's like a different different thing, yeah. you know. And I was like, yes. And he's dude. He's the raddest dude. He just sit there and just so much to learn from. Him. And he's just right here, like I am with you guys. Yeah. He's just he's so cool, bro. And he just talks. He's got so much knowledge, and he's like planting on the side of his house because you know he's got that house in Kauai and. He's planting on the side of his house because there's erosion or whatever. And so he's like, yeah, you got to put these plants. And I'm like, wait, you're out there doing it? He's like, bro, if you stop doing it, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That dude's one of the gnarliest 
fucking he seems like he's around. Yeah, there's no shortcuts with that guy. It doesn't seem like like, like oh, I gotta go build put something in or build it. He's saving do it. saving his own own house. Yeah, you know, in yeah. Malibu. Yeah, during those fires. Yeah, and then saving his house and saving tons of people on on his jet ski. Yeah. in Kauai, it's like yeah. he's a a real Super modern day superhero. He, he is. And, he, and in his presence, you feel it, too. Not just physically, but mentally. Yeah. He's got a good head on his shoulders, dude. And, and it's all about the women in his life. And he talks about that. He's rad. He'd, he'd yeah. be rad to have on this podcast. His his uh, wife's got a great podcast, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we got to get him on. She's a and then We got to get too, Jonah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's in the surf world now. <clears throat> Dude, don't don't so, don't blow up, man. Our, our listeners are gonna like hold us to this, man. Yeah. We better. So, well, you ain't getting none of them if you don't follow the men's groomer. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. So, so going back to the men's yeah. groomer. Yeah. Um, you know, we, yeah. we you kind of start talking about it, but besides having the salon, and and you know having this incredible product, as a side hustle, you work in the movie industry. Right. Yeah. So and and you you just came, like you said you just came from almost a month. Yeah, so I was there for a month, and, uh, you know, I was away from the family, and I haven't even spoken about the family. More important, dude, at 34 years old, I had nothing. I had warrants for my arrest, bad credit. I was 137 pounds, and I thought life had passed me up. And in this last 17 years, I got married. Check out my Instagram. My wife is freaking gorgeous, and my kids are amazing, and I bought a house and all of that, and it's all gifts of sobriety. And um, I worked hard, and I showed up, and I did what I was taught, and yeah, it's fucking amazing. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. You had a skill set, you had the mindset, but you know, you had a passion, you know, which is you know yeah. what you're doing. But I mean, that only goes as far as you're willing to like put in, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like can't let that talent go to waste. And yeah, you yeah. know. And we were talking earlier about Lou Carrion and how mm-hmm. you know we're all from the same area. And you guys have kind of similar stories with, yeah. with the whole drug thing. And yeah. one thing that... And the uh, club promoting and yeah. the selling yeah. the drugs. And yeah, he, we were running <laughs> the same circles. And, and, and we never really hung. But the, the the thing that he said, he's like, he learned how to love himself. Yeah. yeah. Most and that's things. what you, you've said yeah. today, too. It's like, you know, you got to love yourself to, to be happy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's a, a killer thing to like... Reflect on it and, 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 and use as you know, like I mean, I, you can't can't help somebody if you're you're not helping you know if you're not in the right right space you know I think yeah I I mean it's like you could never tell me that I needed to change until I was ready you know yeah and I had to hit my bottom and I see guys that work for me that need to get humble and you can't talk to them and you got to just let them find their way and you got to be there for people when they're ready and I've done that a lot of times I'm like I'm not helping him. Not until he asked for it. Yeah. You know? And that's... It's like the old TSOL song. Yeah. Can't help someone who's not willing to help themselves. (laughs) You try, but you just might waste time. Dude, I I play that TSOL from the old... uh, What video was that? That was such I don't know. It was like... Filthy Habits? God, it was an old one, and the whole soundtrack from TSL. I, I just I use it on all my videos because it, it doesn't get it doesn't get flagged. Yeah, and pulls it banned. Yeah, it's so good. This song can't be used in this country. Yeah. In this country, and yeah, yeah, they're good like that. 
Wow. I think it was Run Man 69. Was it Run Man 69? Oh my gosh. Where he's taking a shit on top of the car. I Fletcher. haven't seen that. And yeah. I want to see that again. Ever. Yeah. That's such a great. Dude, Snap 4. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Logan Dooley so wait, Snap 4. That's it. They did the premiere and that's it. They, I already missed it. The, yeah, there's one premiere. It was Sea Legs last Saturday. Uh-huh. But I think, Laura, you said he's going to release it to YouTube. Yeah, uh, I think in October. Um, I think in October. In October, do or let's do an event in my know. space. We're gonna hit him up. We're, we'll hit him up. Let's do it. Let's, let's run yeah. that movie in my shop. We'll Bro. do a whole, yeah. a whole parking lot. It would be sick. Yeah, he uh, might be down. Um, food, surf music. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You you need a bigger place though, because it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna blow yeah. Up. <laughs> Um, but it was just great to get like after, you know, this last, you know, year and a half, two years of, you know, to have a proper movie and, and, you know, see the, the, the energy and the level and the stoke and how hard these guys were ripping. And yeah, it's, it's it's such a good, you know, time in surfing right now. Yeah. You know, the, the COVID thing definitely brought more of an audience, Mm -hmm. you know, more more participants to to surfing mm. and at the same time like you olympics. know a lot of cool things like the olympics happen yeah. uh there's more wave pools happening yeah ultimate surfer ultimate surfer yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so i think in our lifetime we're going to be able to have our own wave in our backyard have you thought about this yes with the button you're like what do hey. you want right left six ten foot what my, do you want my, my my kid asks me all the yeah. time like dad if we won the lottery would we build a wave pool like yeah. move to a spot and we yeah. have a wave pool in the backyard 100%. i'm like 100 yeah <laughs> yes yeah without he's all how much would they cost a bill i don't know like i don't know like we started yeah. crunching numbers but yeah. i go because we went by a sign and it was like 400 million dollars or something for the yeah you know powerball yeah, I'm like that's way enough. Like, you yeah, think I mean, we wouldn't even have to rent it out. The like, that would be <laughs> for Kelly's was yeah. 84 million. Yeah, oh, dude, that's still we can do that. <laughs> yeah, we got this, bro. Powerball. I'll just do half of that. I don't need that. Like, yeah, no, we don't yeah. need that. We just need one bowl. Yeah, one bowl. Yeah, yeah. we don't need a, one that's a mile long. No. Yeah, we just need like yeah. Waco with that. Like, yeah. hit a bomb. A bomb. Speak, speaking of which, have you done? Bomb, yeah, have you done? I haven't been to any of them yet. No, no. That's a that's a check off the bucket list. Yeah, for sure. bro. Yeah, I gotta go do that. Except well, I heard that uh, Slater's is cold pretty much all year long. No, in no? the summer it's like way hot. It's really too hot. Too hot. Oh, good. That's yeah. when I'm going. But I, it's too expensive in the summer. I heard that too. It's yeah. a, oh, it's really yeah. expensive. Yeah. But that's hopefully with these more pools, you know, going in, like, you know, a little more competition. Yeah, like, hey, I think know, that's what up, I'm waiting for. Bring the price down. A Either that bit. or showing up with Roblo and Jonah and just. You know, there you go. Riding the riding hey, coattails. Surf, surf lessons. Yeah. Like, you know, like, hey, yeah. I'll give a couple pointers. You know, That's like, it. let's get a group together. Yeah. Dude, you want to look good at the pool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you, you know? got to get. You got to get your, your high rollers on board. Yeah. Let's work it. <laughs> we'll bring Late Night with Chalky there and we'll do a freaking putting party. That out, putting that out in the universe right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, shoot. Uh, yeah. I can't believe you're still here. We did it. Yeah. Yeah. We did it. Just just going over it again, man. I, mm. You you started, sat on the pier, Huntington Beach Pier, saw some dude in a body glove wetsuit mm. and said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to surf. Yeah. And... It's all I did. And... And then I did drugs. <laughs> I was going to say... And then I got jumped, sober. jumped in the VW van yeah. at, at 16 years old and was... Got shot at. Smoke crack. Smoke crack. And you smoke crack until you were like 34 years old. Yeah. 
and but before that you were cutting your friend's hair in high yeah. school being the the on trend um what do you call it Influence. early adopter yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. setting trends in in your local five dollar haircuts for yeah for a half a dime bag in yeah, the wine see, gardens i wasn't even making that an hour at huntington servant sport my yeah. minimum wage was below that you're like you can whip out a couple of haircuts in an hour and you're done for the day i was the only one making money yeah yeah you were <laughs> <laughs> at 13 a lot of my friends People i had i had the hustle early i was yeah. like dude this is how i'm gonna get a dime bag yeah, this hey, is how I'm getting a pack of smokes, and, and, and you're you're never going to run out of if you get if no. you could execute and, and deliver and make people look good. That you're never going to run out of. There's enough hair. You went to a, a hair college or whatever you want to yeah. call it yeah. for six years, but yeah. never graduated. Yeah, <laughs> took me. It was a year program. Took five years. Took oh my gosh! Yeah. And then found yourself throwing a party and. Palm Springs and met people from San Diego that moved you to San Diego. They got you connected to the Mexican cartel. Surfing, wind and sea, South Mission Jetty. Almost, almost died doing a drug deal in Boston. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost died. Almost died. Almost died. Check this out. Five hundred dollars worth of crack one night. My heart was going to explode. Took a hit. I hit nine one. I had my finger on one, and took the hit. That's how bad. You're like this might be the last. That was it. Well, I was like, because I couldn't stop. <sighs> what? I don't get it. I don't understand the. Um, only an addict knows the feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's like surfers. Only a surfer knows the feeling. Yeah. So so, at thirty four. You finally hit rock bottom, yeah. and this other addict, addict, but he had his shit together. He was, mm-hmm. he was sober. sober. Gave you a chance. He paid for your fucking rehab, mm-hmm. and you never looked back. No. And look where you are now. Happily married, seventeen years, mm-hmm. two beautiful kids. Mm. You're crushing it with the men's groomer. Mm. You got collabs You're, with. Dog town and yeah. giving out a pair for every pair not, bought. Not to be it's cheesy, but you you're, you're celebrity hairstylist slash whatever. Yeah. So sick. and dude, and you're paying it forward. It's for JJ. Here's for the girl. Dude, he's you're in so service. Calm. Yeah. You know of service. Yeah. Yeah. And the two most rewarding things for you is surfing and of service. Yeah. Surf and serve. Surf and I'm gonna surf. I'm going to get that tattooed tonight. Wow. Surf and serve. Yeah, it's good. And, and we're both fucking bolt tattoos, oh, yeah. baby. Right in the same spot. Woo! You guys are funny. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your surf stories. Yes, thank you for sharing your life and opening up. I mean, a lot of this is obviously brings back probably a lot of, you know, crazy memories. But again, that's. He I mean, doesn't. He doesn't. Regret at all. No, no, for yeah. sure. And, and and for those listening that, you know, maybe have gone down, you know, like we're all about, you know, inspiring and positive, you know, vibes. Yeah. And yours is, you know, obviously you went through hell and back, you know, and, and where you're at right now is helping others, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Dude. And that reminds me real quick. If anybody is struggling or you know anybody that's struggling from drugs and alcohol, feel free to de- uh, direct message me and I'll get back to you. Yes. The and men's groomer. The men's groomer direct message me. 
Thank it's not you. too late. You can do it. Yeah. I did it, and millions of people have done it before me and after me. Yeah. We're here. You heard it here first, peeps. Thank you. Late, Thank you. Late night with Coochie. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Some chick was like, what's your hat say? Late night Coochie. I was like, oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> Thank you, Jason Schneidy Schneidman, the yes. men's groomer. Look him up. Thank you. The whistle. There it is. WaveKey was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out WaveKey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Wax! The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, 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 we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Fuwax, the best wax in the game. Fuwax. West Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit CalienteSouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.